Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not longer after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord for us today. A homecoming is a very special thing, isn't it? A homecoming is when you go back to that place that shaped you. It's when you go back to that place that was so influential and so meaningful and so powerful in your life. Now, homecoming isn't always to a specific house. Sometimes it's to a region or a, a city or a state or even a country. I think of soldiers who are returning from duty and the homecoming they experience when they get back on American soil. Or that college student that comes home on break and they're home after leaving maybe for the first time, they come home. Or when you make plans for the holidays, you say, I'm coming home for the holidays. Of course, schools and even churches, I have found, hold homecoming celebrations regularly, frequently. A homecoming celebration is one where you gather to celebrate and to connect and to remember. Does anybody remember their homecoming dances? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, Rachel and I do. We remember this was Rachel and I were 16 years old, excited to celebrate the homecoming and went to the dance. Um, I think, wasn't that the year that you prepared a meal for us that we ate? Yeah, Rachel cooked and we shared a meal and went to the homecoming dance. A homecoming is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. You reflect on the past and you, you connect with friends old and you remember what has happened. And again, you're going back to a place that has shaped you, that has formed you, and you celebrate. Jesus tells a story about a homecoming in Luke chapter 15. It's a familiar story about the prodigal son. This is the guy who takes his inheritance and he leaves home. 
He breaks relationship, he makes bad decisions, he ends up in the pigsty, and then he finally comes to his senses. And what does he do? He goes home. And this story that we're going to walk through together this morning, it is a beautiful picture of God's heart toward his children when they come home. God's heart toward his children. And so we're going to learn this morning that he welcomes us, that he restores us, that he rejoices when the lost are found. That's what we're going to talk about together today. Let me introduce myself. My name is John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. I am just thrilled that you are with us this morning. Sunday is my favorite day of the week, and I hope it is yours too. Uh, I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we are doing a summer sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. It's not an exhaustive series, but we are spending about 10 weeks doing stories and passages from this gospel. If you have your Bible with you today, please get it out. Open it up to Luke chapter 15. Again, one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this only appears in the Gospel of Luke, I should say. So the other gospel writers don't include this particular parable. Jesus, to put this in context a little bit, Jesus loves people. (laughs) And in his ministry then, Jesus is spending time with people. That included sinners and tax collectors. And what Jesus does is he teaches them and he eats with them. He's building relationship with them. But the religious people are upset by this. Now, I won't go into much more there because I think it was just two weeks ago. Remember, he was at the home of Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman came in. Right, so same idea. Jesus is teaching the sinners and the tax collectors come. He's breaking bread with them. And the religious people, the Pharisees, get upset. And they start their muttering. So let's go to the beginning of the chapter in Luke chapter 15. Let's start in verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're upset. Jesus uses it as a teaching opportunity. He's not only teaching the sinners and the tax collectors the good news of a God who forgives. He's teaching the religious people. (laughs) And so he begins in in, uh, Luke chapter 15. We have really, I want to do a good Bible study here for us this morning and say, this is a parable. Uh, So that's singular. This is a parable. There are three different parts of the parable. Uh, And so the prodigal son, the lost son, that's one of the parts, but there are two parts prior to that. And so he begins the story with uh, the lost sheep. And so he tells the the story about, okay, there's a shepherd. The shepherd has a hundred sheep. One of the sheep wanders away and the shepherd goes after that lost sheep and he finds it. And Jesus tells about the shepherd picking up the sheep and putting it on his shoulders and coming home and alerting everyone, I found the lost sheep and celebrating. Then he tells the second part of this parable. So he tells the story of the lost sheep. That's one in a hundred. And what we see in this parable, by the way, is is the items and the things referenced get increasingly more valuable. A sheep is one in a hundred. The next one is a story of a woman who has ten coins and she loses one of the ten coins. And she tears apart the house trying to find the lost coin. And she finds it. 
And she celebrates and she rejoices. She calls her friends and relatives. She says, I found the lost coin. Come and celebrate with me. And those of you who have a propensity for misplacing things, as I do, go, yeah, that happens regularly. <laughs> when I'm like, I can't find this thing. Lord, help me find this thing. And you find it and all of a sudden you're rejoicing and you're happy and you're giving God glory. Did you hear about the guy who misplaced the thesaurus? He just didn't have words to describe how he felt. Luke chapter 15 is a parable, and it's a parable of lost things. One sheep out of a hundred, one coin out of ten, and then Jesus gets to the final story, which is the story of a father who has two sons. One leaves home, the other stays. And we see what the father is willing to do when that lost son is found. He responds to the repentance and the brokenness of his child with celebration. With celebration. He rejoices. He throws a party. We'll see. That's kind of the culmination here. And so again, we're, we're learning this morning this amazing news of a God who when we come home to him as our Heavenly Father, he welcomes us, he restores us, and he rejoices with us. And so let's pick it back up at verse 11. We're going to really key in on this parable, this part of the parable about the lost son. So we're in Luke chapter 15, picking it back up in verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You just can't read this story without highlighting the fact that what the child has done is rude. It is disrespectful. It is dishonoring to his father. For those of you that are parents, how would you feel if your child came to you and said, uh, it's time for my share of the inheritance, and so give it to me now? How would you feel? But the father does it. He calculates his net worth. He divides it up based on what they would get, and he pays it out. And we could speculate here that this was probably at great cost and sacrifice to the father. But he does it. He calculates the cost, he divides it up, and he pays out to this son who then takes off. Just leaves. And what we see of this boy, this prodigal, is that things go horribly for him. Like like that he goes into this wild living. He's loaded with cash because his father has just paid out his inheritance. And he's free from parental restraints. And so, I mean, I just imagine this guy heads straight for the casinos. He heads straight for the bars and the other unspeakable places. And he loses it all, spends it all, it's all gone. And then his situation goes from bad to worse. So he's broke, but you imagine he's a young man. He would probably be able to get a job, make his way in the world. But what happens is his situation, he's squandered his wealth, and then a famine hits that land. And so even those who had saved, who had stored up, who had prepared, they were struggling. The ones who were wise, the ones who had done a good job of accumulation and stewardship, they were struggling to feed themselves and to care for their families. So this guy has nothing, and he's soon feeding the pig. So he somehow gets a local farmer 
who hires them, and he's feeding the pigs. So we see that in verse 16. He, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so we realize that he has hit rock bottom. Like, he's so hungry that pig slop is appetizing. By the way, this is as low as a Jewish person could go. Because pigs, swine, were unclean. They were unclean animals, though you, you wouldn't have cared for them. You had hired staff that would do that. They weren't allowed, of course, to consume pork or other, other products from them. And so this is the lowest of low for a Jewish person, is slopping the hogs and wanting to eat the very food that they themselves are eating. And so it's in that place, in the pigsty, so hungry he wants to eat pig slop, but even that he's not allowed to have, that the scriptures say he comes to his senses. <laughs> he's hurting, he's struggling, and he realizes even the ones who are servants and slaves have a hot meal and a warm bed. And so he concocts this plan. I'll go home, but I'm not going to go home as a son, as an heir. I'm going to go home and humble myself and ask if my father would simply take me back, not as a son, but as a servant. And so in that place where he's at rock bottom, longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs are eating, he starts to rehearse a speech that he's going to give to his father. And the speech goes like this. We see it in 18 and 19. Uh, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And I think he said that over and over and over and over. So, Jesus is telling the stories here, and now the stage is perfectly set for the homecoming. The homecoming. And so, this young man sets out for his father's estate. And here's where we get this remarkable encounter between father and son. Because before he can even knock on the door, before he can even get there, his father runs to him overjoyed. The heart of the father is on full display as he runs to his son. And before the son can complete this pre-planned speech that he is rehearsing as he goes, Father, forgive me, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he can even complete that speech, his father interrupts him. So let's go, go back, to uh, jump to verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, so he got up and went to his father. He's, he's leaving the pigsty and going home. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. It says he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Verse 21, the son says to him, here we go. He's launching into the speech. He's rehearsed this the entire trip home. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, again, he interrupts him. He probably didn't even hear what he was saying. The father interrupts him. Verse 22, he says to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. That is God's heart when his children turn to him. He rejoices. Verse 24, 
He says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What a beautiful picture of God's heart for you and for me. What a powerful demonstration of the love of a father who eagerly watches the horizon. And when that son appears, ready to humble himself and repent and come home, he races to him. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time together is unpack these three responses we see from the Lord when his children come home. And it begins with, God welcomes home the repentant sinner. He welcomes his children when we turn to him. And let me just say at this point, this story is as much about the father as it is about the son or sons, as we will see. The father is a picture of God's grace. He runs to the ones coming home. In their culture, Jewish men didn't run. That, that, was, not a, that was not appropriate. That was not very dignified. But he runs to the ones coming home. He meets us right where we are. And what does he do? He embraces us just as this father did. And what good news, because we have all rebelled, we have all sinned, we have all gone astray, we have all done wrong, we all need to be forgiven and restored in God's loving embrace. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What good news, that God welcomes home the repentant sinner. It strikes me as I read this story that the father was prepared. He doesn't seem in any way, shape, or form as we see his response to the son coming home like, I don't know how I'm going to process this. He doesn't in any way, shape, or form come across as, I need to think this through. I'm not sure what the next steps are going to be. How are we going to work toward reconciliation? How am I going to rebuild your trust? You don't see any of that. What strikes me from this story is the preparedness of the father to welcome home his son. It's as if each day that the child was gone, the father was waiting. The father was hoping. The father was watching. The father was never giving up. He was ready when the boy came home. How did he see him when he was a long way off if he wasn't watching? How did he know in a split second to begin running to him, to embrace him, and to kiss him and to welcome him if he had not prepared himself for that already? Because that is the heart of God. Why did the father do that? Well, it's very simple. He did it because of his love for his son. Because you and I could build a case for, well, he slapped you in the face when he asked for his inheritance. Well, he squandered it with his wild living. Well, doesn't he need to be taught a lesson? Why did he do that? The answer is very simple. Because of his love for his child. Even though the son had turned his back on him, his love didn't change. Even though he had left home, his love didn't change. Even though he had squandered the wealth, like it's gone. <laughs> it's not coming back. That inheritance is, not, is never going to be seen again. Even though he wasted it and he lost that, impacting himself and his family, he still loved him. Even though he spent time in the pigsty of the world, his father still loved him. 
the father never stopped waiting and watching. He never gave up. That is God's heart for us. And so the father welcomes the son back home. And uh, suffice it to say, he's not welcomed back as a servant. (laughs) The father doesn't take the deal and say, well, okay, I'll take you back, but you have to live out in the, you know, servant's quarters and you can be, you know, slopping the hogs here. You know, he, he is brought back as an heir with rights, with privileges. He's given the best robe, it says. Sandals placed on his feet, a ring on his finger. And then the father orders that the fattened calf be butchered. Like, we are going to have the year's biggest party. That's the heart of the father when the son returns. And and so this story, as we think about the son who wandered and who comes home, it is a beautiful illustration of how a person's life can be transformed by the grace of God. A God who loves you even when you wander. A God who loves you even when you roll around in the pigsty of the world for a time and then return to him. It's an amazing picture of a life transformed by the grace of God. And, and I, I want to point out, uh, in, in this story, it's, it's that moment of when we come to our senses. You know, that, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the pivotal moment in the story of this child. It's, it's It's when he comes to his senses and says, what am I doing here? I need to go home. And so I pray that for those that have wandered from Christ, that today would be the day that you come to your senses. You say, it's time to go home. And I know the heart of my heavenly father who is for me and who will welcome me. I'm done slopping with the hogs. So I want you to hear that invitation this morning to come home. When we repent of our wrongs, when we humble ourselves, when we return to our Heavenly Father, He welcomes us. The second thing that we see from the response of the Father to the return of His Son is that He restores those who return to Him. He welcomes the repentant sinner and he restores those who turn to him. So the robe and the sandals and the ring, those things are all symbolic of like he's not a stranger. He's not a servant. He's an heir. Like those things symbolize the fact that he's got all of the privileges as a son in this family. But did you know that the younger son, the prodigal that went off and Slap the hogs that we just talked about, is not the only son who needed to return to his father in this story. Oh, there is another son. There is an older brother in this story, and I want to spend some time talking about him as well, because he has a very strange response to his brother coming home. There's a celebration. There's a father who is overjoyed, and yet there's an older brother who is upset. He's angry. He refuses to join in the celebration. So let's look at verse 25. We're in Luke chapter 15. It says this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. There's a party going on. It says, so he called one of the servants. He asked him, what's going on? 
Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And verse 28, the older brother became what? Angry. He's got something going on with his heart. He's angry. He's not overjoyed. He's not happy. He's angry, and it says he refused to go in. And I can relate to this story. (laughs) In my family, there were two boys. One was an obedient child. One was a wild child. (laughs) Some of you have heard my story and my testimony. The one son got in trouble everywhere he went. (laughs) Everywhere he went, he got in trouble. He got in fights. He got arrested. He went off to college and got kicked out of college because of his partying. I remember him buying a bright red Thunderbird that he drove recklessly. He dated all of the wrong girls. And then there was another brother... There was the obedient one who helped with chores and who helped at home and who helped to uh, provide child care and watch over a niece for a sister that was a single mom and who helped to care for a grandmother who was in her last years who moved into the home. This was the son who mowed the lawn. This was the son who painted the house every five years. This was the son who was on the Bible quiz team and who, when the church asked this son to read scripture in the service, said, absolutely, I would love to read scripture in the service. This son was me. And you know, I resented my brother. And it made me so mad. I remember being about 13, 14 years old and my mom and dad saying, Oh, isn't it just wonderful that Paul came to church with us today? I was so mad. Because guess who went with them every single Sunday to church? Guess who was the one helping and serving? It was me. But I never heard, oh, we're so glad that John went with us to church today. It was, we're so happy that he came with us to church today. And I resented him. Well, he may have wrecked our car, but, you know, at least he came clean about it. So in my own life then, I wasn't outwardly rebellious. I never hit that stage of of outward rebellion. But in my heart, I was bitter and I was angry. And even in my relationship with God, I, I I had hardened toward the Lord. And I was believing this lie. And here's the lie. It was, I'm a better person than the other one because I wasn't out smashing mailboxes and coming home drunk and all all, all the other things. That was the lie that I believed. I'm a better person because I'm not doing all of those wild activities. And so as we look at Luke chapter 15, we see this older brother. There's another brother in the story and he stays home and he works in the fields and he's with his father. By outward appearance, this is the obedient son. This is the good boy. So then, when the brother returns, why do we see that he's so angry? 
and so bitter. Look at verse 29. He kind of unleashes on the father and says with what I can only imagine is a a great amount of vitriol. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders and yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? You see the attitude and the heart of this son. The the parable of a lost son who needs to return to his father is actually a parable of two sons who need to return to their father. One in the flesh and the other in his heart. He's so angry. He's so bitter. He has turned away in his heart. But what good news. (laughs) Because just like the good news that if you've been in the pigsty of the world, you're welcome to come home and God embraces you and restores you. There is good news for those of us that are like the other brother. That God's heart is to restore us. And he calls us to turn to him. And so you know what the father does? We, we heard there that the older brother, he's so angry, he's so bitter, he won't go into the party. And the father comes out to where his son is. That same heart of the father who ran the distance in the fields to meet the prodigal does the same thing again when he goes out from the celebration and meets the older son right where he is. He meets him in that place of his pain, He meets him in that place of his hurt and his bitterness and his resentment. And the father speaks a word of rebuke, but he does it with grace. And he lets the older son know, he says to him, all I have is yours. All I have, it's yours. You are a part of this family. So Luke chapter 15 is about homecoming. It's the story of two sons who turn back to their father. Again, one in the flesh from the pigsties of the world, but the other in his attitude and in a heart that had grown bitter and resentful. And so what happens next is they celebrate and they celebrate big. And so this is the third response we see. We, we learn that God welcomes that he restores, he rejoices. He rejoices when we return to him. And again, as we think about the two sons in this powerful story of homecoming, one of the sons has done much for the father. He has served him. He is slave. He's worked the fields. He's done whatever needed done. The other has not. The other has not done hardly anything for the father. In fact, he's had a negative impact on the family. And so the, the, the obedient son, the, the one that looks like the good son, you know, I think this is why he thinks he deserves more love. Well, I've done more for, for our father, so shouldn't I be loved more? That's his struggle. And yet here's the thing. The father doesn't love based on works. I want you to hear me this morning. Our heavenly father doesn't love based on our effort and what we've done for him. He loves based on who is his child. And so this father loves both sons. The one that has served him and done so much for him and the one that slapped him in the face and left town and squandered his wealth. 
There is a beautiful short story called Capital of the World. You may be familiar with it by Ernest Hemingway. In this short story, Hemingway tells about a father and son. They're in Spain. The son is named Paco. Paco wants to be a a matador, and so he leaves home, and the father's upset, and they say harsh words, and there's a broken relationship, and, and off Paco goes to Madrid. And the father pursues the son at a certain point. He, he wants to restore. He wants to forgive. He wants all to be well. And his attempts to locate his son and to connect with his son all fail. He can't find Paco. And so Hemingway writes in this, this short story about how the father says, I'll take out an ad in the newspaper. And he puts an ad in the newspaper that says, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me at the newspaper office at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Love, your father. And the next morning, the father arrives at the newspaper station and there are 600 Pacos, all eagerly hoping for forgiveness from their father. And so, we see in Luke 15, the response of God. We've talked about how he welcomes and how he restores He rejoices. He rejoices. The the prodigal is is coming home. He's expecting or hoping for pity. What does he get? A party. (laughs) Not a pity party. A real party. And the whole chapter, really, this, this whole parable of lost things in Luke chapter 15, it is just laced with references to celebrating, to rejoicing, culminating then in this party at the end where The fattened calf is slaughtered. And again, that means this is the biggest event of the year. That means there's music, there's dancing, there's no expense spared. That means the whole village is invited in their culture. That means this is probably going going to go on for at least several days, maybe a week. Like that kind of party. It is quite a celebration. And so this picture of a Jewish father throwing a big party, the party of the year, and all the villages invited. It's a a glimpse for us into the heart of God who rejoices when we come home, who celebrates. And not just the heart of God, but the heavenly host, the angels attending, celebrate. Jesus says this in verse 10 of this passage in Luke 15. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so if I could encourage us this morning, I would say, let's enter into great joy today because of Jesus, because of Jesus forgiveness in your life and because of stories of others who have come back to the heart of their heavenly father. People that were lost, that are now found. Enter into great joy today. Rejoicing with God Almighty. Rejoicing with the heavenly host. That what was dead is now alive. Why? Because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. The prodigal has been welcomed back with loving arms. The bitter son has been restored with loving rebuke. 
And now all of heaven rejoices because the lost are found. My question is, will you join in? Will you have that same kind of heart and attitude and mind and response to celebrate, to rejoice, to say, God is good. Look what God has done. God has saved me. And God is doing a work in the lives of others, sometimes in cases that you would never even expect. Some of us are the prodigal. And it's time to come to our senses. And it's time to come home. Some of us are the other brother. And for those, it's time to stop pouting outside the party. It's time to recognize that God is doing a work and to celebrate. It's, again, in context here, this story is told in the presence of those Pharisees and teachers of the law that are saying, why is Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? The Pharisees are the older brothers. So some of us are there and we need to stop pouting outside the party and we need to go in and we need to say, I'm so glad you've come home, brother. Thank the Lord (laughs) that he is that good, loving, heavenly father who never gives up on his children, who loves us, not because of what we've done for him, who loves us in despite of the times we've failed him, who loves us because we are his children. And so I want to urge each of us, will you rejoice big when God forgives big? Will you celebrate what God is doing? Will you walk in freedom? Will you admit where you yourself have sinned and fallen short and are in need of forgiveness? Will you recognize today that you are made in the image of God? That he takes great delight in you. And it's because of God's love. It's because of God's compassion that he stands ready to throw a party. Ready to welcome you home. Yes, our heavenly father is one who welcomes us who restores us, and who rejoices at our homecoming. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for this amazing and powerful parable told by our Lord Jesus. And thank you for your heart toward your children. Lord, we turn to you today. We hear you calling us to come home to you. Lord, help us to come to our senses. Lord, for those who are living in the pigsty of the world, would you convict them right now? Get out of the filth. Return to your heavenly father. Confess your wrongs. Seek him and he will welcome you. And Lord, for those who carry resentment and anger and even suspicion, take it away. Give us a heart that's like yours that rejoices big when the sinner comes home. That forgives. That restores. And so Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for what you've done in the lives of others. And I pray, Lord, would you continue to draw us to yourself? 
to transform us to be even more like your son, Jesus Christ. It's only in his name that we pray these things. Amen.